You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. Welcome to Advancing Together, a national symposium on racial justice and social change in America. And on behalf of the Bahais of the United States, we offer you our warmest welcome. That was PJ Andrews of the Office of Public Affairs of the Bahais of the United States, welcoming participants to a symposium that brought together academics, civil society leaders, and other social actors to discuss racial unity and social change in the country. This symposium is inspired by one held 100 years ago in Washington, D.C. In 1921, Abdu'l-Bahá, the head of the Bahá'í faith at the time, called on the American Bahá'í community to hold a national conference that would bring together various races in the United States for the purpose of race amity. Ultimately, the work of the office aims to create conditions for people to contribute to a national conversation on race, characterized by a new language, that will allow thought to advance towards constructive action. May Lample, another member of the Office of Public Affairs, spoke about how the struggle for social justice over the last century has involved both processes of integration and disintegration. It would be nice to reflect thinking back a hundred years ago to those participants of that first conference, and they might be surprised to see the advancements that we have been made in the last century. You know, the passage of a series of laws meant to safeguard the rights of people in this country and the growth of interracial collaboration and fellowship and increasingly diverse American population, just to name a few examples. But of course, at the same time, they would also recognize progress being met by opposition that has sought to undermine advancements. And it means that we're still dealing with a host of manifestations of racism, both supported by the law and the systems of our society and those upheld by individual choice and action. So we can characterize the history of the past 100 years as seeing two processes happening at the same time, We have a prevalence of injustice, violence, conflict, but at the same time, we are seeing a growing consciousness of the impact of that injustice and violence on people and an increase of those who are choosing to stand up for and work towards processes of justice and equity. Panelists at the symposium explored the means by which social transformation can occur and the role of language in fostering a sense of shared identity. Professor Michael Penn of Franklin Marshall College, addressing these themes, spoke about how interactions among people can impact the human heart and create conditions for positive change. I'm really interested sort of in the terrain of the human heart. I had gone a couple of years ago to the University of Geneva and I had uh, visited a lab that studies human emotions. They believed we're more likely to change when we are being moved. So the tone, the volume, the pitch, the cadence of human words has a tremendous influence on the human heart. And oftentimes, actually, the way that we speak and the words that we use shut down the possibility that people can be moved by our words. In fact, what it does is it creates a kind of a a barrier between what we are saying and what we intend to achieve. And so I've just been, been very, very interested in drawing more and more attention to the way that we use words in dialogue about change, about social change. I've been thinking a lot about the visit of Abdu'l-Bahá, who came to the United States from the Middle East after 40 years of imprisonment. And so at an interracial gathering, 
he said something really, really interesting. He said, in the clustered jewels of the races, may the blacks be as sapphires and rubies and the whites as diamonds and pearls. The composite beauty of humanity will be witnessed in their unity and blending. He wanted to deconstruct the image of interracial relationships from that image that had been produced by the separatist. He wanted to create a vision of beauty out of this sullied image that had been saturating the thinking, saturating the hearts of blacks and whites for centuries. In addition to the question of language, participants discussed the need for people to have their voice heard as an important step toward reconciliation, especially at a time of blurred distinction between prejudice and truth. Dr. David Ragland, who is one of the co-founders of the Truth Telling Project, described how the project is providing spaces for people to tell their stories and to heal from the wounds of racism. We started the Truth Telling Project a process around how we hear from people who've experienced police violence and how those stories, how truth-telling is our urgent communique of, of values to tell us that these Black lives matter. It is a stuff of human dignity, truth-telling is. It's the beginning of a, a moral inventory. And we called it truth-telling because of our, like this view or the very popular view um, by so many uh, who I struggle with the anti-war circles of reconciliation. But there has to be a bridge. Also forgiveness. We were really thinking about forgiveness. How do we do truth and reconciliation in a moment where each time one of us is killed, we feel it, our body feels it. And so the Truth Telling Project was a process that we said, when the state will not acknowledge our truth, we will our community will. And um, around those testimonies, which are uh, many people who experience police violence, um, out of those stories, we created an online learning platform so that people could learn from those stories and that community organizations and educators can be a part of that. I can remember after the end of the first healing session, we stood in circle and Fanya Davis, one of our founding board members, turned to me and said, this is healing. Truth-telling is healing. At the heart of the symposium was the spiritual principle of the essential oneness of humanity, which implies an organic change in the very structure of society. So of course, any movement that seeks to eradicate all forms of racism from our society has to be predicated on a notion that all human beings are in their essence the same, that they're deserving of dignity, that they're possessing unique skills and abilities, that they're worthy of safety and security. And without an understanding of our oneness and interconnectedness, our differences appear too vast, rather than adding a necessary and valuable complexity and beauty to our lives. We have to be able to highlight the humanity um, in individuals um, because really that's the only way we can talk really move towards racial healing. That was Dr. Charles Chavez, Vice Chair of the Maryland Lynching Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Speaking about the work of this commission, he described the need for cultivating a sense of shared humanity. Until people, when they look at George Floyd or hear Breonna Taylor or hear about what um, happening at Standing Rock or in rural areas of North Carolina around environmental issues and things like that until they are able to see themselves within the struggles of people who don't look like them, then we're, we're going to have a difficult path towards racial healing. 
Discussions at the symposium looked at constructive conceptions of justice in the effort to build greater degrees of unity among people. Drawing on the Baha'i teachings, Ms. Lample spoke about this principle and its implication for individual and collective life. The most important elements in translating a belief in the oneness of humanity into action is justice. And at the individual level, we can think of justice as a faculty of every human soul that allows us to separate truth from falsehoods. It calls on us to be fair in our judgments and, of course, to treat others equitably. And at the group level, justice is indispensable for collective decision making. In essence, justice is the practice of an expression of an awareness that in order to achieve progress, the interests of the individual and the interests of society are linked. Dr. Chavez and other participants explained that efforts towards social justice must address systemic racial prejudice. We feel that uh, America should establish a unique truth commission that is designed based on confronting um, America's own unique um, foundational flaws and issues, specifically the issues of racism, sexism, and anti-Blackness. Um, and that is really the, the um, foundation and of the U.S. Truth Commission. That is the focus, to really confront the systemic injustices um, that continue to show themselves in the various outcomes that we are all, all reminded of on a daily basis. And we feel that until we deal with the root and address these systemic foundational issues, then the outcomes are going to continue to be the same. One of the main aims of the symposium in bringing together academics, civil society leaders, and people engaged in community building endeavors was to bridge the gap between theory and practice. Wandi Lawson, member of the Continental Board of Counselors for the Americas and one of the moderators of the symposium, described the approaches being taken in Baha'i grassroots initiatives throughout the United States, which are promoting racial unity. We're learning about fostering conditions at the level of the neighborhood that enable growing numbers of people from all backgrounds to be um, attracted to participation in a way that's constructive. So I thought maybe we could start with you, Billy, as to what has been your experience in, in your community with, with this attraction of, of growing numbers as we, we strive to reach universal participation. The Franklin Park neighborhood is really the first neighborhood in Columbus of which the entire area historically, at least dating back 60, 70 years, has been primarily African-American. It's been going through a process of rapid gentrification. Billy Silva, another member of the Board of Counselors for the Americas, shared a story about Baha'i community building endeavors in his neighborhood, describing how people of diverse backgrounds are fostering strong bonds of friendship through prayer. And so this conversation around racial justice and unity really has to take into consideration a number of different populations. So at the, at the outset, some have lived here for 50, 60 years. Some of their families have been here as long or longer. And so they have that history and they're thinking of the neighborhood in a certain way. And so the effort itself was born out of a gathering, which we referred to as a devotional meeting. He spoke about how the idea of service was rooted in the thinking of the participants of the devotional gatherings from the beginning. And so the service was very little, you know, it would be something like, we can go and rake the, the, the leaves of someone who maybe could not rake up their leaves. Or we would think about taking food to a neighbor who we knew was sick. But then fast forward a little bit of time and then all, you know, these, these events of, uh, of May of 2020 around um, the tragedy around the life of George Floyd really brought the notion of racial uh, justice to the fore of not only the American consciousness, but really to the consciousness of the world. 
And so even within our little our little group of friends, we were thinking about this as well. And we were trying to think, what can we do? You know, what can how can we be of service in this regard? Mr. Silva explained that through prayers and service to their neighborhood, participants of the gatherings have been gaining a greater sense of the principle of the essential oneness of humanity. And this has inspired even more people to participate in these activities and conversations about social justice. So some offered to do it in their backyard, some offered to do it, you know, wherever on Zoom. So we knew we had a group of people who were willing to extend this further. And this one actually was quite interesting because the neighborhood is, has a particular look to it. Architecturally, many of the homes have a lot of large porches. And so this was seen as an asset, like everybody has a porch. And they said, oh, we have these porches, perhaps we can have porch parties. This is a way of fostering relationships. This is a way that we can use the some of the strengths and things that are unique to our area to, to strengthen the relationships. There was a shared sense that in order to, to think about racial justice at the level of a neighborhood, we have to have an understanding of the history of the neighborhood. And so that also was connected somehow to narrative. How, who has lived here? How do they view the neighborhood? Um, is, there a, is there a narrative or story that we can tell, that we can craft together, that can take into consideration and honor those who have been here, but even account for some of those who are just really very new? have these tour of homes because architecturally they're quite old they're like some of them are 130 40 years old so they said instead of having a tour of homes why don't we have a tour of history why don't we bring all of these people and go through the neighborhood and really explore the history together as more people have become involved in this process they now see a need to expand their conversations about social progress to the institutions of their community while we have individuals who are thinking about this, of course, if it reaches enough people, the community will be thinking about it, but there are also institutions that are very central to the functioning of the, of the neighborhood. There's a civic association, there are churches, there's a mosque, there are community centers. And so how does this conversation reach them? The experience shared by Mr. Silva is one example of Baha'i community building efforts throughout the country that are engaging growing numbers of people from all backgrounds. These efforts are allowing people to transcend barriers through a collective sense of purpose, fostered through service to their society. One of the convictions guiding our efforts is that the change required to create justice in the country is not only social and economic, but above all, moral and spiritual. We are conscious that we are engaged in a process aimed at profound organic change at the very structure of society. This symposium was part of an ongoing contribution of the Baha'i Office of Public Affairs in the United States to the discourse on race unity. One of the themes the office is examining is the role of faith in overcoming ingrained prejudice and structural injustice. To hear more from other contributors at the symposium, visit news.baha'i.org.